Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 330 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 330. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live video show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which also airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on our TV channel. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week will be very self-aware as soon as I tell you the names of them. The first is not so in as much as a tool. Well, technically it is a tool. That's why we're using it. But it's more of a a platform for use. And that is schema.org. S-C-H-E-M-A dot org. Schema.org is an organizational institution that is meant to go over and help facilitate the standardization of content and specifically Uh, relevant content, specific content within the structure of a website so as to better identify the actual usage of the content that is being provided in a structured format way. Um, Best example I can give you is if if you put on your website, our fax number is, you know, Erico, blah, blah, XYZ, 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 X. Without schema, it's up to the search engines, being in Google primarily, to crawl it and based on what's around that number, to determine what that number is. Is it an actual phone number based on this format layout? Is it dashed or dotted or hashed or whatever? And if so, what kind of phone number? Well, you can alleviate that, leaving it to the bots to discover by actually identifying it with any schema or organized format and identify this is our fax number and identify that number as such so that it takes the guessing out of the content. That's a very simplified answer to what schema uh, core value of it is. There's more robust explanations for that. Schema.org is a great resource platform for that, but also a great resource platform for actually writing and creating schema because it shows you the format layout configuration of how to do so. We'll get to the technicalities of that in a little bit. Our second tool is actually a service tool that you can buy it's actually for wordpress for those building websites and wordpress it is a plugin for wordpress um, which doesn't necessarily limit it but it does define that it's mostly if not only used for wordpress formatted or, or platform websites and it is uschema.io which is basically the same word schema but with a u in front of it so u-s-c-h-e-m-a dot i-o and uschema.io is a plugin that goes into your WordPress so that it makes it easier for you to not only do your own manual identification, but it actually will go into all your existing pages and posts and go and identify it as what it can discover, much like what a robot, a, a, a crawler robot will do, and identify what your content is based on your identifiers of what your website is about. This is amazingly helpful, especially if you already have a website in existence. It already happens to be on WordPress. It gives you the chance to plug this in and go, boom. Now, all of a sudden, my website has schema formatation in the background so that when the bots crawl my website for the content that I want crawled, I have itemized and identified a tremendous amount of my content. 
That's the simple value of it. The complex value of it is it gives you now another layer of defining the content as you create it and add it to your website that really begins to augment over the value of indexing what your website's authentication is for based on its content. Which brings us to our technique of the week. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique this week is content structure is everything. Of course, obviously, we're going to be talking about schema in particular to this, but we're also going to venture a little bit into some other tools as to how they relate. Tools that we have mentioned and reviewed on the show before, but now have an extra value of importance based on what they are in relationship to your schema building. Schema is the unsexy building blocks of high efficiency value for what your content is for your websites. You may have a good looking website. You may have what you think is great content, meaning things to do or information of or images of and what have you. But without it properly being identified in a way that the bots for the search engines search websites and then categorize the discovery of those bots into the context of what the search engine results will show your website for, Schema refines that to a sharper point to the pencil. It helps you, your website in particular, to be identified for what you want it to be identified for in the best way possible. It doesn't mean you're gaming the system. It doesn't mean that you can amplify what isn't real or identify yourself in things that you're not. What it does do is it clarifies the content that you have on your website in such a way that the search engines find it easier to index you and to identify your authenticity based on the relevancy of its algorithms for discovering the content that you've identified. You still don't get to identify your ranking priority, but you do create clarity of what you are for the search engines to better classify and identify and authenticate what your website is for. It really helps an awful lot. Either you're a willing participant or begrudging offer. Schema I is actually making you a willing participant in the process. Why is this so critically important? The very existence of why we have the websites is to offer content that is relevant to those that would find it interesting to be discovered online in such a way that they can make a transaction decision. That whole process before transaction, ZMOD, zero moment of transaction, all that discovery and education phases, in reverse order, it goes discovery, then education, okay, are all because of what is discovered online based on what you're searching for. Um, for those way back and long in the tooth of history, when the internet was first beginning to find its place, late 90s into the 2000s and so forth, 97 forward really, there used to be big, huge printed paper books that you found at a bookstore in the mall that was web guides. It was like a phone book for those enough old enough to remember what phone books were um, that listed websites because you basically said, I have a website at this address and they printed it on a book for people to go home, get on the computer and type in your website address. Search engines truly didn't work the way we're used to them now back then. Matter of fact, there was no real thing as a search engine. Um, it came along that Yahoo and Prodigy and other Netgear and uh, Netscape, excuse me, Netscape and other internet browser builders, Explorer, okay, 
would have some means of discovering things like a find it button, uh, much like you're familiar with on a program, but it really didn't go out and have a means to really discover stuff. And it was very easy to game the system. Show up for what you weren't simply by knowing what the search, rudimentary search forms were looking for. And that slowly improved over the years. People still gamified the system, even when Google was in existence and Yahoo was in existence, and they turned into much of the leadership in internet. Uh, Bing, well, Microsoft was the leader in its search engines. There was still gamifications, and it slowly has gotten to the level that it is now. Um, but through all that process, it was about the content you put on your website. And now we rely solely upon search engine results. We don't go to some printed book to look for a website. And much like a phone number is auto-play, you know, auto-dialed on your phone, where you don't remember the phone number, you just tell the person's name or hit their name in your in your in your in your contacts list, um, or on instant messenger, you just hit their picture and you talk to them. Much to websites are like that. That it's really about discovering it on the internet, where you say I'm looking for local auto dealerships, and through the results of their websites, their content on their websites, they get shown in your SERP, S search engine result pages, results. And their ranking of where they show up organically is based on the content that's been discovered by the bots, the software that goes out into the internet and constantly looks for websites and changes to websites and new websites and what have you. That information that they gather is used to determine if you show up in those search engine result pages that they have. So with that, Having accurate data that you can identify and expedi accelerate that process or clarify that process by using schema means that you can be categorized, identified, and authenticated for your relevant content for what it's worth for those search engine pages to use it in the results. That's the baseline. The added value is the new world we live in. We have answer boxes. I call it Google Zero. 60 plus percent, and it's a, it's a very specific number, but that's just to be general from my perspective of conversation. Over 60% of all results offered by search engine results, Google in particular that I'm speaking of, never go to a website anymore. They're simply answered by Google's helpful answer box. They show answers to various questions related to your search question or query in such a way that people often get an answer without having to go into a website that's shown up in the results pages that they then have to explore to get any further information on. Um, this information that Google provides is not theirs. It's the information that they have learned from websites related to the topic of search that they then authenticate as being true based on the accuracy of how people how many people use them and lots of other algorithmic things, but know it that you can be in that answer box. That's the ultimate goal uh, by having such great relevant content is the better your content is relevant for the search, the more people see your answers offered by Google, the more Google uses your answers to answer their question similar to and the same as. And so for that reason, people learn of you from being accurate and authenticated for the answer that for the question that they're looking for. That's a huge value for the content authentication that schema can provide. And the, the ability to identify it in schema so that it gets used that way makes its value just in that alone worth its weight. And so 
from it, that's a result of using schema. There is an additional value of using schema along with other tools that are most helpful for this. And that goes and drives itself into platforms that we've reviewed and talked about before in and the content creation program. We write content for our website based on our human perspective of what we think is important and relevant, plus our, our style of writing, first person possessive, third person uh, singular, on and on and on. There's so many tones and techniques associated with writing content. None of it is directly related to the value of the content itself and the discoverability of it being used by web crawlers like Google and Bing to derive that content as a result for somebody searching for the information that you're offering places platforms like one that we talked about like neuraltext.com provides a what they call ai which is really more of an advanced machine learning a logarithmic workflow conditional content generator but what it does do is it helps with the process of you think that you have a content piece that is interesting and relevant in your mind you're right but however, people may not see it in the same context that you do and search for it in ways that you don't think you should write about in such ways of using the right words or in the right frame of tense or in the right frame of context. And so because of that, you write it in your way, but it's not discovered in the user's way. Uh, as we often say, there's three point of communication, what you say, what's heard and what was intended. Um, that goes with your writing words in websites. What you think you write is oftentimes used or understood in a whole different context than your intent. With platforms like Neural Text, it helps you first discover what is normally used by the people researching or looking for the content that you're interested in creating content for, what terms they use, what phrases they use, what questions they tend to use to discover this with, what's the context of what they're looking at the content for. Um, here's a relevancy, and it's an old keyword uh, statement of how what how valuable keywords are are if i use the word victoria you may be thinking that you're referring to victoria england but it could be victoria falls it could be victoria in british columbia it could be victoria a person's name queen victoria it could be several variations to what that singular use of victoria is all based on the relevancy of what i'm looking for i will use the word victoria while looking for historical studies on queen victoria or i might use the word victoria in the context of the victoria falls because i'm doing research on falls all of that is based upon what you're writing as content just using the word does not denote that you have authentication for it it's the context of what the word is used for and what's surrounding it and how you refer to it that creates the indexing of what your content is relevant to what somebody's searching for that is specific to what you're offering if i'm talking about victoria falls and somebody's researching Victoria Falls is because I'm using the word falls or referring to Africa or referring to waterfalls or referring to all the other things that come up contextually related to identify why I'm using that term for Victoria. Well, tools like neural text and so forth help you define the context that all of those things are related to in your content generation ideas. And as such, meaning that you don't fall step by writing what you think is a great piece of content, but totally inaccurate for the authentication that it should be 
before because it's interpreted as being something that it's not. And even though with schema you can help that process by identifying it in the context it's intended, it also means that you're struggling against a miswritten content piece that has to be clarified rather than amplified. And that's where value proposition of schema and using tools like Neurotext and other content generating uh, programs that help identify the value content associated with what you're writing about or creating for content for is very helpful. So it's not tools in bubbles that operate by themselves, but rather the context of them working inclusion for what your intent is. I'm writing content for my website. As such, I want to make sure the content relevancy is as high as possible, meaning that I'm already researching the terms and phrases and conditions and content discoveries that are most often used for what I'm trying to create as content. And from that, I can create the structured format of identifying it within schema so that it gets indexed correctly, authenticated correctly, and used to the benefit of discovering for people that are looking for the content that I have generated in the interest that it's intended. That just is a two-step out of a multi-step process that's associated with content structure being everything and that is our technique of the week now this week's hospitality news that you should know so our news and show review news relevancy going into the holidays obviously there is the conditions of the omicron virus variation its impact being unknown at this point because of its newness its infiltration into the u.s economy and the impact of how we already know financially that it's already affected gas prices and so forth and so on so newsworthy that's our step in time i don't want to dwell on the negativities of it Everybody's trying to create paint rainbows and sunshine as to the outlook of what business could be but everybody else has a realization that perception especially public perception, is really the driving force of whether or not their anticipation of businesses come into play. We've seen shifts in stock market because of this, and it's just the hint of it being an impact. We've seen changes in prices of gas. When one minute we're listening to whether or not the President of the United States should re uh, release some of the, the national reserves of oil to, to somehow lessen the cost burden on, on the cost of oil, knowing that that had little to no effect on it, to all of a sudden prices drop by 25 cents simply because there's a perception that travel might go down. We also know that we talked about the perception of what the first six months of 2022 will be like that no we're not in the clear yet because yes there are other variations that come up so no we're back to the possibility that with international travel change of restrictions are required some places are locking down some places up the same cycle of discussion is happening creating uncertainty and apprehension which affects public perception which affects economies so that is probably the nutshell of our news at this particular point i want to talk more about what our show was about our show i took on a rather large topic really and that was how flexible are your strategies and budgets and what i meant by this is how adaptive are you we just went through budget season and we often joke about we're the only industry that has a season to do budgeting it usually starts somewhere in about august where we begin to dust off our old expectation budgets and bring them down and start creating updates as to based on actuals what we're thinking mathematically is going to be next year so we're really looking 15 months out in duration if not longer really by the time the whole process gets finished and done but we started about 15 minutes out 15 months out and then from that we create our revenue goals 
And then from that, we disseminate the sources of revenue and what changes from our previous revenue that might represent and what sources of revenue that comes from. And then we go backwards from there into where we, how we're going to be able to get those revenue sources, what our marketing costs associated with that. And from that also operationally has to determine the fulfillment cost of that. What is the operating cost associated with our top line revenues get filtered through the operational expenses to our EBITDA line. EBITDA line gets down to net revenues and so forth. It's a whole process. So, that's the inflexibility of it. That's the process of it. We have come to, and we've discussed this on the live show and also on our podcast, about mathematical ways of determining good accuracy towards expectations. Taking historical numbers prior to the pandemic's impact, numbers of actualizations during the pandemic's impact, and then forecasts based on the blend of demand of those numbers into what's called a forced weighted mean average to determine where our benchmarks are that we say we would be running above or below based on expectations of demand on all the historical information we are familiar with. We know about the lack of true corporate demand at this point, but the negative impacts also weigh out to the fact the reality of what the positives could be. We talked about group business and LNR business and consortia business and wholesale business. We talk about channels of contribution like OTAs and whether they weigh against or whether we get channel displacement by use of meta search. We use paid campaigns and those paid campaigns are between paid ads versus our CRM strategy versus our social media strategies versus organic own versus paid we've had those discussions all of those things that's great but what we tackled today was how flexible are your strategies and budgets how dynamic are they and we went in detail about creating parameters we talked in previous shows just like we did now about creating benchmarks and creating that as a, a, a line that is either positive or negative in your expectation is it below the benchmark you've created by the aggregate maybe aggregated mean mathematically or is your expectation of, of, of business and numbers and or whatever you're looking at classification wise going to be in a positive or above that number and how does that impact all the variables associated with that does your cost of marketing go up or go down does your cost of operations and fulfillment go up or go down there's conditionals not everything just because it's up in one way means everything else is up sometimes revenue create better profitability your margins go better for revenue uh, for profitability without necessarily increasing your operational expenses and or your marketing costs. Simple example of that is better ADR, even though occupancy is maintained. Now, better ADR doesn't always mean you bring the occupancy number up along with it. Sometimes higher ADR reduces occupancy. There's a cost value proposition of your operations with that, less impact on your product. But then again, there also might be an impact on your total revenues because you're dealing with less purchases less length of stays because of higher ADRs. So there is a mathematical balance as to where your ADR resistance should be on your optimization of occupancy demand. And that goes to your fair market share, total market share. And then you have to start talking about things like Airbnb and unconstrained demand in your market and whether Airbnb actually fulfills it, augments it, or has no effect on it. These are all variables that you should be talking about. If you're in these, if any of this lingo is not hitting you, you need to chase people like me down or agencies like mine or whatever it is that can make sure you're fluent in all the moving pieces with this. We often sometimes, because of job roles, or get very siloed and I'm a general manager of a hotel. I'm worried about housekeeping payroll. I'm worried about front desk payroll. I'm worried about operational expenses, maintaining the logistics of a business. 
I may not be as fluent in marketing. I may not be as fluent in revenue generation. This is where your corporate reliance might come on or your brand relationship might come on. Who am I kidding? Brand relationship doesn't have any support. Ah, just kidding. Me being better. So with all of this, the flexibility requirement we discussed was about creating parameters, low-end, high-end fences. You have your benchmark in the middle, and we talked about high and low against your benchmark. But what's your conditionals where if this changed at this level, what is your reaction point? What thresholds of sustainability do you have? Case in point, wonder if one of your channels of revenue isn't producing at or even even just slightly below, but not at all. In a, in a perspective like say for instance you were in a region of the country that was turned down for uh, international travel well, how much were you relying on international travel and if so if it dried up do you have compensation markets for that or is it just a loss revenue and if so what's your conditions on operating expenses what are you doing in response to the loss of that revenue source these are very real world scenarios that happen with us for this in our budgeting world now. I'm not saying this is the new normal. This is normal. There's no newness about this. We've been running in this exercise all year plus. So it's not a new thing. It's a now thing. This is our world. Our conditional relationships of our budget in relationship to our forecast, in relationship to our actuals, have to be very narrow in variation. Our budget should be very close to our forecasting capabilities. We often used to say within 4%. It has to be fractional than that. It has to be well within less than one. Our expectations and measuring should be so well tooled that whenever something different variance-wise hits our budget, revenue or cost, we are already for, had forecasted or have a resultant forecast related to it that already had the conditional of what we'd have to do in compensation from it. It's kind of like, you know, a boat and bumping into things and knowing how to shift the weight so you don't uh, capsize. Having that, that expectation of how to compensate for the changing tides of what goes on for our business is a key element. So that was our live show discussion. Highly recommend that you go into our live show and listen to greater detail about that. But that was in the context of what we were doing. We talked about using great tools uh, similar to Russell's partnership on their dynamic budget model where literally it's a budget that should you need to make changes to it and adapt the budget forecast with it, uh, the budgeting numbers with it, you can in real time hit from top end and it modifies everything down low end so that everything compensates for the variations you create from revenue source and or cost expense. Very powerful tool, very useful tool. Highly recommend that tool. And that's from Russell Partnership. They do a lot of the uh, simulation software and so forth that a lot of companies use. Great stuff in that sense. So with that in mind, thank you, as always, uh, for listening to us, both on the live show and the podcast. You can find our podcast, as always, on Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, uh, tuned in podcast breaker ACAT list goes on 39 platforms and counting you can even find us on your Amazon's Alexa Google Assistant and Siri just ask to play the hospitality marketing podcast 
and you'll play the latest one, this being it, until next week, where our next one rolls out. And no matter which one you may use, if you uh, like the show, please rate us and leave a comment. Even if you don't like the show, please give us a comment. Uh, we'd love to get feedback as to what you would like to hear more about, or if we're doing a good job talking about what we have selected already. I answer each and every email uh, that you uh, do for the podcast or the live show, TV channel, uh, at lauren at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. Of course, if this is your first time hearing us, you can subscribe to our show on any of those 39 platforms um, as well. And of course, uh, for archiving our show, it always plays on hospitalitychannel.tv. The older archive, which is for 17 years back of podcasts, you can go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash podcasts. Um, and of course, don't forget our live video uh, talk show that you can participate and join uh, every Friday, 1130 a.m. Eastern U.S. time called This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the live show. Uh, for its archive, it plays in reruns always at hospitalitychannel.tv or for the archive with transcripts and everything else going back the eight years we've been doing this, you can go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live. So with that, remember that we do uh, broadcast on our own TV channel, Hospitality Channel. You can get it on Roku, Apple TV, uh, Google TV, Google Play, uh, Amazon Prime, Apple, uh, Amazon TV, Fire Stick, whatever, plus also Android and Apple iOS. We're an app on either one of those platforms, so you can catch us everywhere. And plus, we always simulcast on all of the social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, all of them, multiplicities of those. We're in 39 countries. We translated to 11 languages. We have several tens of thousands of people that listen and follow us each week, and we thank you, each and every one of you, for doing so. We also recast our live show on Wednesdays, 11.30 a.m. Sydney time, 11.30 a.m. London time for our EU and APAC members, respectively. Um, and for that, my name is Lauren Gray, and I thank you for the privilege of your time and look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 330 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, All Right Reserved Copyright 2021.